So, what should we talk about this morning? If you have any questions about healing, I might give you a chance to ask, but I want some questions. What I'm inviting you to is, um, you know, there's no point in, in me talking and you struggling with it. So I'd much rather there's an interactive growing together in what do we believe and what do we expect with God as supernatural. It's, uh, it's counterintuitive a lot of what we're talking about. So it's going to be a struggle. It's not logical to talk about an angel appearing and saying you're going to have a child. But it is biblical. I went through customs on Monday morning and I made my way through to the, you know, you have to do the passport control in Vancouver um, and there's a guy says, I, I go to the booth and the guy says, uh, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he says, what do you teach? And I said, Christianity. And he says, what Bible do you use? And I said, uh, NIV. And he said, oh, the, the, the New King James. And I kind of thought, I'm not going to argue with a border guard before I've got my passport back. <laughs> but afterwards, you have all these replies you wish you'd said, like, was, you know, both of them say he loves you. But that's not a good witness. It's not a good witness to nitpick about God and Jesus. It's better to say, that's really cool. It's better to be encouraging. It's better to not be a legalist. And there's a huge temptation in us as people to get legalistic and to get, um, you know, Ordinary in terms of how God works. Uh, he is an extraordinary God. And uh, it's really easy to be a Bible-believing Christian and then be a Christian who doesn't actually live out anything that takes any risk. So you just do Bible stories, but you never experience any of them. And it's very hard to read the New Testament and think we're just meant to be born-again Pharisees. So I say that to encourage us to recognize that Jesus will be offensive to us. And Jesus, when he actually has freedom, will cause us to go, I don't understand. And we want to be a church where we allow the mystery to be expressed. And sometimes we'll make mistakes, but we want to be a place where you can also question. You do not have to believe everything I say but I do invite you to talk about what you struggle with rather than just dismissing it. I do have a theory over after 45 years in the church, functional and dysfunctional, that many people's theologies are rooted in their own stuff. And so God is always working with us to make us more whole and to release more of who he is. So we've been talking in John's Gospel, just in case you were away or slept in for the last few weeks. I'm talking about John's Gospel and Jesus encountering people in John's Gospel. I just am saying again, John was writing as an older Christian. He was the youngest Christian to follow Jesus. When he wrote his Gospel, he knew that Matthew, Mark and Luke existed. So he, he wanted to bring an older man's perspective on what he had experienced as a young man and then throughout his life. And he had traveled around, he'd been to Ephesus, he ended up in Patmos, which is actually not a bad place to end up on. I did visit there many years ago, and Patmos is quite a cool place. Um, but he was there in exile for a while. And uh, he had time to reflect, and yet when he wrote, he still bore witness again and again to the fact that Jesus was like no other. And he was, we talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus, when uh, he was in Jerusalem, Nicodemus, who was a, a religious spiritual leader in that Sanhedrin, a man with integrity, and, and he had integrity. You know he had integrity. Why? Because when he saw Jesus and he saw what Jesus did, he said, only God could do what he's done doing through you, but I can't make sense of it. So what did he do? He went and he asked Jesus. He went in the middle of the night because he was, didn't want to be identified at that point. It was too sensitive. But he nevertheless had the integrity to actually go to the source and say, I want to say, who the hell are you? Who are you? 
I cannot wrap my head around this. And Jesus says to him, you never will, Nick. You'll never wrap your intellect around me. Not because I'm arrogant. It's just the dimension I'm bringing into the world is what was lost at Eden. I'm bringing in the supernatural. I'm bringing in the presence of God through human beings to overcome the work of evil. I'm retaking the land that has been lost. I'm taking the promised land. I'm walking by faith. I'm declaring to you what is in heaven is on earth because the power of God is greater than the power that has taken you hostage. It's all of that. And if we haven't seen it, you don't even know that you don't know. You have to be reminded. I grew up in South Africa. I remember the day I walked across the border into another country. I'd been in South Africa for 22 years. I didn't know the level of oppression that was on me until I walked across that. I'll never forget it. I walked across and I could feel it lift. You don't know what you don't know. That's why we need one another. That's why testimony is important. That's why we need to be alerted to things and begin to have a humility that says, could this be? Because all the people we've talked about in the last few weeks, Nicodemus, how can, I, how can this be? And he says, unless you're born again, unless the Spirit actually awakens you, you will not understand this. Which is just like a, few, a month or two ago when I was in France and I went across to Spain. They all speak strange language there. You have to have an interpreter. You have to have somebody to help you understand. The same is true in the spiritual realm. You need help to understand things that aren't intuitively understandable. Does that make sense? Few of you. If I were to say to you today, okay, come up and speak Russian, how many of you could do that? Nobody could. But if you, so you say, well, how would you like to learn to speak Russian? What do you think the process would be? You would go to somebody who speaks Russian, you would sit down and you'd go through this long, tedious learning another language. Well, the same is true spiritually. It's a process of learning. It's a process of awakening. It's a process of familiarizing. Some of us take great pride in our theological positions. You kind of go, when did you arrive? Why are you drawing lines? There's way more. That's why God is so awfully, awfully transparently revealing to us. Because he just says, by your fruit you will be known. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness are the first things in the orchard. How's it working? What kind of fruit tree are you? Are people breaking down your fence to eat the peace that's on your life? Or the joy that you bring into the room as Tish was talking about? Are people just fighting to find the healing ministry that's coming out of you? I'm teasing you a little bit. But the evidence of God's spirit is actually not what is seen, it's what's sensed. It's the atmosphere thing you're talking about. It's what we carry with us. You can't fake it. Just as you can tell the difference between a plastic apple and an authentic apple, you can tell the difference between plastic joy. Plastic joy, you know what that looks like? It's circumstantial. When everything's going well, I'm joyful. No, the joy that Jesus gives is a joy that says, despite these things, I still know a sense of joy. Cheering you up this morning, what am I trying to say? It's just saying you can't do this stuff without Jesus. You can't do it without his spirit. You cannot follow Jesus and you cannot actually manifest what God actually wants to do in us by working it out in your head. You will never do it. I promise you, you won't. It starts in the heart and then it percolates through the head. It changes your thinking. And then it's fun because you start learning how to walk with Jesus and not have to understand everything. And then you can do strange things because it's not about you. You can declare healing and it's not about you. So it's not my responsibility whether you're healed or not. It is my responsibility to declare it. I mean, how would you like to be somebody who walks around seeing people healed? Where are people who are not offended? You're just going, I want to learn that. And Jesus says, well, I've used John, so that should be an encouraging thing. I can use you. Lighten up. You're not so bad God can't use you. You're just willful. And he wants to use you. Because there are people around you that he wants to touch. So take your theological position, whatever it is, wherever you are with God, and just submit it to him and say, 
This is what I've learned so far, I think, but I, I give you permission to correct me. See what happens. So, oh, Laura, you missed the best past. Never mind. <laughs> I found her. We came in this morning. She's sitting on the concrete outside because she, you, you didn't realize the time change. That's a, bu- that's a bummer. When you sit out in the cold out for the hour that you could have been sleeping. Eh? <laughs> oh, well. May God redeem it for you. So the Spirit, we've talked about Nicodemus who came to Jesus. We talk about the woman at the well who came in the middle of the day and Jesus met her and he just touched her life and she went away saying, come and see this man who's told me something. We talked about Mary last week. Mary, because what the point I was trying to make was that all these people couldn't get it. They didn't understand. Mary being told by an angel, you shall have a child, which is what we're going to sing sweet carols about in a few you know, weeks' time. It's easier to sing a carol, but imagine living the life. It's unbelievable. Everything about Christianity in our roots is unbelievable. Because we're called into an adventure. I want to have testimonies up here all the time that says, I don't know, but I was blind, but now I see. Don't you think? Some of you. All right, well, we'll keep talking until everybody's on board. The Spirit releases on the inside of us from heaven what the body and soul crave to experience on earth. The Spirit releases on the inside from heaven what the body and soul crave to experience on earth. There is that tension. Everything the human being desires apart from God is what the Spirit releases from heaven. Everything human beings desire, which is popularity, image, uh, am, I, am I acceptable? Am I going to be... You know all the things. I don't have to name them. Advertising names them all the time. All of those things are an attempt to get without God what only God can give. The only fulfillment comes from the inside. It is totally devoid of circumstances. It is not about circumstances. It's about the love and presence of God releasing in us what we cannot get naturally. It was stolen with the rebellion of, of, of evil. And so eventually we come to places where we say, Oh God, help me, because all of my attempts have led to nothing. Some of our testimonies were about that. We take our lives into all, our own hands and we follow that and it goes nowhere. Maybe many of us could testify to our experiences of that. So how can this be? And what is John writing to? He's writing to people who are saying the same thing as we say. Is God real? Is he relevant? What difference does he make to my life? So we come to chapter 4, verse 43. After two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him and they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. So Jesus moves around. He's been in Jerusalem. He's gone to Samaria. What do they say in Samaria? In Samaria, we read, because of this woman's testimony, that's why testimony is so important, this woman who everybody knew was not something you would be, you know, wanting your daughter to... She's not a role model. She wouldn't be teaching Sunday school. She was a woman who had some problems. Six husbands, six men. Don't know if they were husbands. And Jesus said, I know... And the one you're with is not your husband. And the way that he said it, the way that he actually just peeled away the outside and said, I know you. But the way that he said it without rejecting her was what won her heart. I am not condemned, even though I condemn myself and I deserve to be condemned. You without sin throw the first stone. See, what's it like for us to be a church and a people who are not shockable? You can't offend me. I'm never going to, the, the offense is never going to be, you, you can't come in. That's what that woman felt. And so in Samaria, they had, she had run home and she had, the other villagers had come and they were still amazed that, um, this does seem to be booming a bit. Um, they were so amazed that uh, this woman had been changed and she was talking and she was saying, come and see, they couldn't but go. And when they went, they were so touched by Jesus and, and, and who he was and what he was speaking about. They said, come and stay with us. And he stayed for two days. Now John puts that in 
Jesus stayed for two days and by, because of his words, their lives were changed. It says so. I'm not making it up. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Sometimes they're signs and wonders, sometimes they're words. It's both and. And John makes the comment, as, as Jesus moves down uh, to Cana and to Galilee, he says a prophet is never recognized in his own town. Why was he saying that? He, because the response to Jesus as he got closer to home was far less welcoming than the Samaritans had given him. And I just want to say to us again, we've talked about this before, be really, really careful that we don't dismiss the testimony of the people we know well. Because very often God is speaking to us through one another and, it's, and, and we, we could just know each other so well we dismiss it instead of actually taking in what's being said. And maybe God's answering cries of our hearts through people who we know well. But we don't tend to give it much weight because we know them well. Whereas if we have a guest speaker who comes and says exactly the same thing, then we go, oh, look what was said. And sometimes we want a word of knowledge or some great insight and the person right next to us is talking to us about that very thing but we don't have the humility to listen to them so we're wanting God to speak through John and give me a word of knowledge, call me up to the front and say, thus saith the Lord. Probably won't do it. And so Jesus came back into this environment that was testy maybe because you remember we hear about him speaking and doing things and people say, well, we know who he is. He's Joseph's son. And these are his brothers. Who the heck does he think he is? Some things don't change. Human nature doesn't change. And he comes back to Cana, which is where he worked. He, he did the first miracle. You remember when he turned the water into wine, when they were at a, 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 a banquet, a wedding reception, and the wine ran out, and Jesus just said, pour that water, and he turned water into wine. Funny if you actually read through the between the lines how many times Jesus did things on his way somewhere else or in the middle of something. In other words, he never intended to do it. It was just part of life. I think that's maybe a clue as to how we're meant to live. We're meant to be a people who just change atmospheres, who are able to respond, help out, do things. Just part of life. Oh, I can't turn water into wine because I haven't spent six hours in prayer and I haven't fasted. I'm just not ready. It's not about you being ready. It's about God being faithful. So if you just give him yourself, he will do things through you when you're not even ready. Does that make sense? See, it's not about you. Otherwise, you will never do anything. Be encouraged. He came into uh, Cana and they had seen, the, 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 Galilea, the, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all he had, he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival for they also had been there. One, once more he visited Cana in Galilee. We had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. This is about, Capernaum is about 20 miles away from Cana. Cana is right next to Nazareth. You can see Cana from Nazareth. You go down the hills into Galilee and Capernaum is down the hill. So the, the official who would be a Roman official, who would be a Gentile, would have had to come uphill to Cana. Cana doesn't exist anymore, it's just a hill. And Jesus begins this conversation with this uh, Roman official. And he begs him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now for a Roman official even to come and talk to Jesus was something. Do you notice... Lots of things change when it's a relative of yours who's dying, and particularly a child. That sometimes the way you talk, or sometimes your mannerisms, or sometimes your beliefs or non-beliefs change when a child is desperately ill, or a relative is desperately ill. I think it's why sometimes God allows suffering. He doesn't desire it, he doesn't cause it. It's really important to keep on stressing that. God never gives sickness to anyone because he doesn't have sickness to give. I like that phrase. But sickness happens because we live in a fallen world and God has overcome the world in Jesus and so that's why he releases healing. And Jesus responds to this, this, uh, this official and he says to him, Unless you guys see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. No, he's not actually talking to that official. He's talking to the people represented there. 
Because for many people, Jesus was kind of like a magician. Like, have you seen what Jesus did lately? And it's, it's easy to do that. It's easy to push it away and becomes a spectacle. So now I'm not, just in, I'm not interested in people. I'm just interested in how many people he healed. I'm not interested in the person. I'm just interested in the miraculous. And God hates that. There's people who will teach the Bible and say, God, God healed that man to teach this lesson and demonstrate this theological truth. I think that's garbage. God healed people because he loved them. And out of the healing of that person, he was able to bring a truth that he could teach about. Because you have to keep the character of Jesus consistent, which is that his love is poured out for all people. And so he's interrupted by this person who represents the oppressors. If you were teaching in Africa or somewhere, that's what you'd be talking about. I'd be talking about the oppression. He was, teach, he was speaking to somebody who was responsible for a lot of the political unrest in that world, uh, somebody who represented. I've told you this before. When I first came from South Africa here, the RCMP, what do you mean they're your friends? Because I'd grown up in a country where the police were, were imposing the will of the government and there was no policeman who wasn't on the government payroll. There was nobody who you would trust. It didn't represent justice. It represented oppression. And in the Roman world, the Romans oppressed. They brutalized people. And Jesus didn't say, I'm sorry, you guys are representing something that I don't approve of. You're against God and we should live in a Christian country and you don't deserve to have your son live anyway. Go away. He didn't say that at all because the love of God reaches all people and doesn't have any favorites. That really offends us. The only way to get around it is to just say, well, what would you do if that was your kid? So God's love has no boundaries. And this Roman official, when he hears, oh, it'll only be signs and wonders, he just begs him. He says, but it's my son. What does he say? So come down before my child dies. He doesn't even know if his child's still alive. Hugely, hugely painful. Nowhere to go. And Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. Now, he had said, will you come down with me to Capernaum? And Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man doesn't argue with him. He doesn't say, no, I want you to come with me. Unless you're there, nothing will happen. He says this, he says, uh, John says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon the fever left him. Then the father realized this was exactly the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. He took Jesus at his word. The question I want to ask is, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon the fever left him. The father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. What I'm wondering is, was that son healed when Jesus said your son will live? Or was that son healed when the father received that word, turned and made his way home? Would that son have been healed if the man had said, I'm not leaving this place until you come with me? It reminds me of the healing of the ten lepers where... In Luke, uh, you know, these ten lepers all shout out to Jesus, Jesus, please heal us, and he, he heals them. And he tells them to go, to be, to be sort of verified at the, at the church. And one comes back and, and says, thank you. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. And as I'm reflecting on this over this week, I'm thinking about how does this all work? And I think the thing that, I want to encourage us with today is that it's again about this not being passive. It seems to be a relational thing. That God has so much more for you and for me. But we've got to reach out for it. Nicodemus came to Jesus because this was his problem and he didn't know what to do with it. And he wasn't going to find the solution talking to his fellow Sanhedrin members. Because they all had the same paradigm. 
and limitation. So he went to the source. The woman at the well didn't even know she was going to meet Jesus. Jesus met her. That's how it works at times. Sometimes you have to seek him out. Other times he just is sitting right there at the well or the kitchen sink and saying, Hey, Mary didn't have a clue who was going to come visiting her one night. It's a mystery. You can't link the dots. God will do what God will do. But there's an engagement with us because each person who came face to face with God ended up having a conversation. The woman at the well having a conversation. Nicodemus having a conversation. Mary having a conversation. Joseph having a conversation. The Roman uh, official who comes to Jesus has a conversation. What do you want? Discussion? You do this. Then he goes and takes hold of that. And I want to say to you, what is the conversation that you're having with God today? What is the conversation you're having with him? Or what is the conversation you want to have with him? Because I want to speak against the sense of passivity or the sense of discouragement that often sits with us. And say, you don't have to be there. And there are a lot of people who sit around waiting for God to do things and Well, if I'm still alive, I might take your funeral and say, here's another one who was waiting. Go out and get it. Ask for more. What things rise up as questions? Does anybody have any questions about this stuff that you're aching to ask? Yes, ma'am. Just wait a minute. Let me get you a microphone so that you can say it out loud. You said that the church in Seattle is having problems. I'd like our church to pray for the people. Okay, we will do that. God is constant in spite of the people that are facing yep. them. Yeah. Why I brought that up was not to gossip about them, merely to say we need accountability and we need one another. We need to have the freedom to say to each other no or also to have conversations like I'm having now about you know, uh, where are areas that cause you to struggle about what I'm saying. And there's, there's nothing wrong with having a struggle. I'm just giving you an an opportunity. I know it's a little awkward or embarrassing, but that's okay. Mr. Francois. Has God revealed anything to you while you were at your pastor's conference um, regarding this church, maybe as a vision or uh, anybody individuals? Did you see see anything? Um, uh, I'll let that come out later. I'll let that come out later. It was encouraging. I mentioned that. But I'm talking specifically about a God who heals. And a God who... Yes, Audrey, thank you. Um, I've been told by doctors that the tumor I have on the base of my spine, uh, they can't do anything for it except help with the pain. Um, I've always had a sense that one day God's going to heal it for me. But you're talking about taking a step forward. And I don't know what that step forward is except... Keep on and, exactly. and try to yep. um, not concentrate on it. But yep. is there some other stepping forward? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think what you do is remarkable. And I think the strength you feel and the faith you manifest in the midst of not having your prayers answered is a, is a work of God's spirit as well. But that's, I think we need to keep on contending. So I say to you and I say to anybody, you just keep coming up for prayer. You see, the minute you start hearing us saying, if you do this and do that and do that, then this is what will happen, is when you want to walk out of here. Because there's no magic formula. But the fact that there's no magic formula doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. You see, the church church built a philosophy and a theology of suffering when it stopped seeing miracles. And so, through many centuries, 15, 16, 17, 18, many years, many, many hundreds of years, they built the theology of suffering because they didn't see any miracles. They stopped believing that God is a God who is good and kind. And so he gives you your cross to bear, which is a wrong... It doesn't say that in the Bible. You take up your cross. God doesn't cause suffering to teach you things. He uses suffering to teach you things, but he never causes it. See, everything in us that causes us to feel injustice is, is, is because God feels the same way. He's a just God. He's a loving God. And so what we want to learn as a church and teach as a church is, what do the scriptures say about who God is? And Lord, will you take us to that place? It's called allowing the Bible to draw us into the fullness of God rather than having 
the Bible conform to what I've experienced thus far? I should never be able to stand up here and teach my experience as the limit. So I teach beyond my experience. Because my experience is only a part of a journey. It's not the destination. Anybody else got any question? Yeah. Don't be scared. Don't go and gossip about this afterwards and not talk now. I'm going to be very nice to you. So I can kind of wrap my head around what you're saying um, with my brain, but when it goes to actually receiving what yep. you're talking about or asking for it, I still wind up going to the place of um, it's like not me. Like you know, you guys can all have it, yep. but but not me. And I yep. know you say he doesn't have any favorites yep. and all that sort of thing, but actually, you know, wrapping and, and believing that or yep. stepping into it because I still go to a place that yeah, for you guys fine, but no, I'm not worthy or That's all very that honest. sort of thing. Yep. So how and I can pray to have help with switching that up, but it's a struggle. Yep. That's very honest and very true. That's why we need one another. That's why we gather together. Because the working out of God's healing is worked out in our relationships. Not only with him, but with one another. And so you turning up like you're doing is part of your answer to your own prayer. It's about us learning to walk. Because many of us have things that have been stolen from us. Or we haven't learned how to... James is giving witness to that. I mean, he's sharing that himself. He's talking about growing up in a childhood where you bounce from home to home to home to home to home and nobody ever cares about you. You end up a 30-year-old with tattoos and and jail. Right, James? And there's an element of you come in here and you start testing or you're getting used to being loved. You don't know what it's like to be loved. So you've got to come in and talk and you've got to come in and actually experience love that says even when you screw up, you're still going to be loved. Isn't that what... Do you think it's always pleasant? No, it's not always pleasant. Sometimes it's a pain in the neck. And the person next to you is also a pain in the neck, by the way. You know, we all have our pains in the necks and elsewhere. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was wondering, uh, on I Am Second, you guys probably heard about, I mean, like a while ago, a couple months ago, John prayed for me and I opened up the book to what he prayed for, the heart of flesh and a new spirit and stuff like that. Well, it happened again on this Thursday. Thursday I this believe. Thursday, and uh, I'm some. I'm like I'm flabbergasted. I had to leave. I am second. I went to the prayer room, sat in the prayer room, thinking about it, reading the page over and over. And, and over why were again. you flabbergasted? Because it's happened. I, I closed my eyes and opened a book to that page again, okay. in a different book. Yeah. So I mean. So what's flabbergasting, James, is that God's got His number. And that's cool. You know, I'm serious. And now James is getting a microphone and he's speaking in front of everybody. Who would have thought anybody would even take him seriously? You see, it's, it's little things that make big things. You can have the signs and wonders, but you also have to have the relationship. You have to have, we have to have the patience with one another. We have to have the grace with one another. We have to have the tolerating of one another at times. Nothing will take root without relationship. We are very proud, we're very stubborn, we're very opinionated people. And we can behave very politely and underneath be very vicious. And God will just continue to peel that away. And one of the big things that, uh, that God wants to say to us, which is what we heard earlier, which was, I love you. You are my daughter. You are my son whom I love. The Roman soldier had to go to Jesus and experience that. Nicodemus had to go to Jesus and experience that. The woman at the well had to encounter Jesus to experience that. Every single human being needs to know that. And to know that and to know that and to know that and to know that. We're all a work in progress. But we need people where we can begin to believe and dare to believe that I am worthwhile despite anything that's happened. That's very powerful. It's all about receiving, you see. God can um, highlight it for us. He can, you can be prayed for and something can be awakened, but you still have to work it out. 
And working it out is easy. It's just taking the next step, the next day, the next thing that rises up. And start just asking God, as Tish was saying, what rises up in me? And pay attention to that. Stop blaming everybody else and just start. Reading the Bible is a good thing. Knowing God's word. Beginning to know his promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. Chew over that for three months. If he promises to me that I'll never leave you or forsake you, then why am I worried? And then you might find, well, actually I, don't have, I have trust issues. Why do I have trust issues? Because I never knew trust. Why did you never know trust? Because when I was a child, and you always go back to childhood, I'm afraid, and God wants to say, well, I could heal it there, then you don't have to keep trimming the branches up here. So Jesus, I just ask you to heal the child in me that was never loved or never nurtured. Read my book. There's one testimony. It's not a plug, but you know. It's all about, it's all about uh, growing in trust. Take two and then we'll carry on, otherwise you will get fidgety. I just want to share with everybody, since I've been coming to... Um Jericho Road. Jericho Road. Um, I want to share that God's worked wonders in me, mm-hmm. and I just love coming to this church. And He's just blessed me so much that uh, I just love everybody here, and I pray for everyone too. And thank you very much, John. It, it's a miracle. It is, is a miracle. And Dolores done. has come here, and she's worked. She's helped at uh, bridges, and those relationships, uh, you know, all make the difference. It's not rocket science. Is it? Bob, um, do you want me to speak, Bob? <laughs> Pretending you're not there, aren't you? <laughs> One of the things is that lately I've been struggling with uh, health issues, but when I went to the doctor, he said to me, well, uh, you have a family history, and that family history says this, 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 and this, and you exhibit a lot of those symptoms. And I've really been wrestling with the Lord in terms of saying, I don't have to have everything just because my grandmother, my mother, exactly. my father, and everybody else. But it's, it, it's a big struggle to Why? say, um, you know, that that's not happening. Because he keeps, part of it is because he keeps dragging it up. And part Who of does? it is because I get sick a lot. Too, the doctor keeps dragging it up. And plus, I also have, keep, seem to keep getting stuff all the time. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean... Be very gentle here, John. (laughs) Look, the medical profession we love and we need, all right? Seriously. God uses the medical profession lots of times to bring healing. But they're not God. They're just human beings. And one of the things that everybody in every profession, it's whether you're a teacher, whether you're a... Whatever you happen to be, where you have influence over people, you can make declarations over them that can become curses. Children, you know, parents over children, you will never amount to much. You can live under that for all your life and feel, feel inferior. So doctors can unwittingly give you a diagnosis that might to them be true and might be true, but it still remains. I hate labels. I hate Uh, When you define yourself by what somebody else has diagnosed you to be and say, that's who I am. I think you want to say, I am a son of the living God. I need to learn what that means. And I have this diagnosis at the moment. And I don't care how somebody gets healed. I mean, I really do not care if you go to a doctor and they get healed. Praise God. But I think we need to learn how to press in. So when you say, I've got this condition that comes down through my generations, that sounds like a curse. And you can actually pray against that and and break the line and say, in the name of Jesus, I place your cross between this, this person and their family background and I just break the curse, any curses that have come down. And you know, 100 years ago, it was more superstitious. There was more stuff going on, going backwards. Tea leaves was the easy one. There was lots of stuff going on. So it's not difficult to go, blessings go four generations. You can read in the Bible about that stuff. So you go, well, that sounds weird. And you said, it is a little strange. But if you see family likenesses coming down in the physical, why shouldn't they come down in the supernatural? 
So all you do is you begin to speak against that. I just break that in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I break over Diana inheritance of disease from her family, past. In the name of Jesus, we place your cross between Diana and her mother and her father. We knew them both. I, I knew them both. And all the family line. And we just say anything that's passed down as a disease, we break it in the name of Jesus. And you go, well, that isn't, that's not really dramatic. Diana's just grinning at me and nothing's happening. And you go, well, what do you think Jesus did with the official son? And he didn't go, oh, that woke you up, didn't it? <laughs> it he, didn't, he didn't scream. Woke quite a few of you up, actually. I'm stopping now. It's all right. <laughs> he, but he didn't shout out, oh, you, you know, almighty God, I pray that when you go home today, the son of yours will rise. He just kind of said, go on your way, your son's better. I love that. I hate the drama, quite honestly. I don't like hype. I just love the word. You speak it out and you trust it. So, let's ask God to release that more and more. You see, John wrote this gospel so that people like us would be encouraged to believe what is unbelievable. That's cool, isn't it? And where does the Spirit of God live? He lives in you. So the first stage, this is, I'm winding up now, the first stage, because I had a sense this morning too, I'm... That God wants to, to, you to know that uh, you, you've made a decision for him. There's a decision made where you start saying, I want to come to Jesus. Jesus, I need help with my life. And the way you make that decision is you say, Jesus, I need help with my life. I thank you that you went to the cross for my sin, for my rebellion. And I thank you that you uh, love me. And I want to be part of what you want for me on that cross. I don't understand it all, but I just want to know that. And so I ask you to fill my life with your presence. I ask you to forgive me where I have grieved you, where I've done things because I've basically been in charge forever. And I have made a royal screw-up of my life, and I'm not meant to say that word, but I have. And, and I've been proud, and I've been resistant, and I've been this and I've been that. And maybe even I said yes to you before. And if you need to just say to God again, I want, to, I want to take you seriously in my life, and... It's not about me becoming perfect. It's about me acknowledging that I'm not and I want you to fill me again with your spirit. Uh, you can stand up. There's no pressure here. You don't not need to all stand up because I'm not trying to do that. I just am trying to give opportunity for people to say something to Jesus. Um, what the heck have you all been doing? <laughs> so Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you give us new beginnings and you're not angry with us. You're not, you're not standing here looking at us with contempt. You're just going, I have loved you. I love that phrase, you had me at hello. You adore us, you love us. And so we just give, you, give Jesus right now whatever you need to give him. Maybe you know that you're proud or you're arrogant or you're opinionated or you got stuck years ago and you're still making excuses. Just give up. And Jesus, thank you that you forgive me when I've put lines in the sand about what you can do and what you can't do and I'm really just defending my own stuff and I want to live my own life but I want to have a foot in heaven as well. And I'm scared if I give you my whole self, you'll send me somewhere like darkest Africa where John came from. And Jesus says, why would I do that? I will send you where your heart will delight to go. I love you. And when you stand and say yes to me, you're about to enter into the best years of your life. You've already been through the worst. And you're going to need the people who are standing around you as well. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me where I have failed you. I ask you to forgive me where I have grieved you in any way, I thank you that you went to the cross for me and my sin. And I just want to cash in on that. I want to thank you that nothing I've done separates me from your love. And I ask you to come into my heart again 
or to just have freedom in my heart. Maybe you're in, but you can't get out. And I just ask you to fill me with your spirit. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for everyone standing here. You fill them afresh with your spirit right now, with your love, with your peace, with your joy, with a confidence that you are their father, their, their child. You, they are that your ch- children, sons and daughters of the living God. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Now thank him. Thank him in your heart. Thank him. That you're a son and daughter of the living God. That he's not abandoned you. He's not punishing you. He's wooing you into new places with him. And then tell him, Lord, if you want me to do double somersaults because it's your supernatural work in me, I'm happy for that to happen. Stop taking, putting boundaries on what he can do in you. And just say, Lord, I want everything you have for me. I dare you to ask him that. I want everything you have for me. I want to be somebody who, who burns with you from the inside out. I want to be somebody who's infectious with stories about what you're doing. I don't want to be awkward or embarrassed. That doesn't mean you're going to become a social misfit. It just means you're going to have a passion in you. Thank you, Jesus. Just bless what you're doing right now. Come Holy Spirit. Just put your hands out and receive. Carol, come up here please. Carol's doing an assignment and she needs words of knowledge so I've got to give her opportunity. didn't tell her I'd do this because she'd freak out. So she can freak out now. Everybody stand please. We're going to pray for healing. See, this is the part about responding. What questions do you need answered? Maybe you need to travel to Cana from Capernaum. Maybe you're in Samaria and you're hearing things from God and you're inquisitive. And there's somebody who's experienced something that you want, like the woman at the well, and you're going to have to go and talk to her and say, go and talk to them. Go and talk to somebody whose testimony you've heard. How is that for you? What rises up in you for you to reach out and say more? And what can you do to be an answer to the prayer that you're praying? Father, I bless what is going on in hearts here right now. Thank you that you have good things for us. Just be open to God's Spirit. Just let him be present here for a minute. If you need healing, just speak that out. You know, sometimes you get words of knowledge. I did have one this morning about somebody who has either been or might be diagnosed with testicular cancer, which is pretty awkward. And God would just say, fear not. Just speak over that in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Just let the living God touch your heart. Pay attention to your heart. If you're fidgety and you don't know where to go and you keep on wanting to leave, then tell Jesus, ask him to help you to not be awkward with his presence. He loves you, don't be afraid. He just has to teach you how to relax with him. I feel no pressure at all right now because I don't have to perform, I just have to facilitate He's the one who does the miracles. He's the one who does wonderful things. He's doing wonderful things right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's no pressure. Somebody's got a a wrist with pain in your right wrist. Jesus, just speak healing to that in your name. And if you have anything you want healing for, just put your hand up and we'll just pray over you. You don't have to wait for me to get it. You'll never get healed. Father, we just speak blessing over each person with a raised hand. We just speak your release of healing in the name of Jesus. We come against disease in the name of Jesus. Uh, There was also a word Carol had earlier about depression. And we just speak against depression in the name of Jesus. Wherever depression is like a monster over you, I command it to loosen in the name of Jesus. I command it to lift in the name of Jesus Christ. You were not called to live under a cloud of despair. You were called to live with hope in your heart an expectation in your spirit. And I release expectation and hope in you to the same degree that you experienced depression. You would experience freedom and hope for the future. And I bless that in you right now in the name of Jesus. Death to the lies that we believe in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive, receive, receive. All receive means is thank you, Jesus, that you're you're working in me, you're living in me, You're around me. You're teaching me. Thank you, Lord. We're going to... You've got to turn it on. 
uh, way the um, the word about depression came, it was it was tell me about your depression, and it's just a feeling that God wants you to engage Him in a conversation and confession of that, not to di- not to hide it away and to ignore it or dismiss it, but to talk to Him about it. And as you confess, the healing will come. Just uh, give the microphone to Cheryl. Cheryl, just tell them your story quickly. This is totally unrehearsed. Um, you can tell it from where you are about when Jesus just spoke to you because it's a powerful story. <laughs> when you were sitting on the couch, some of you heard it, but I just, it, I just believe God wants to release something through you that's um, got to do with hope. I was living in depression for many, many years, and I was um, sitting on my couch at home, and uh, I heard the words, um, what do you want? And I sort of ignored, but knew who it was, because I had been coming to church, but I was still really suffering from depression. And in the middle of my pity party, I heard again, what do you want? And uh, I knew what he wanted me to say, and I knew what he was asking me to say, but I had denied that for myself for many years. So I told God what I wanted, and uh, three days later, I got what I wanted. It was pretty cool. Do I have to go into more detail? No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> it's basically w- w- what Cheryl's testifying to is that it's, again, speaking things out. And what caused her such pain was she was speaking things out that she had said she didn't want, but she really did. And God will call us, pull us into places where we need to speak out things so that he can actually release them into us. So, Father, we just bless one another. Just pray, place your hand on the person next to you and just ask God to bless, to give to give to them what he wants to give to them, which is more than what they've asked for this morning. Because he loves you. Father, just pour out into each person the reality of your love and your presence. I pray this week that will bless them more than what they've asked for. And thank you that you're teaching us how to walk with you supernaturally, to believe for things we don't yet see.